Hello. From the Baltimore Convention Center, this is the 2019 ASPN Annual Meeting Podcast, where we will be discussing the latest scientific and clinical advances in pediatric nephrology. My name is Stella Shin, and I am a member of the ASPN Communications Committee. Um, today was the first day of the ASPN Annual Meeting, and we have a wonderful panel of pediatric nephrologists here to give us updates and highlights from the first day's session. I'll now ask the panelists to introduce themselves. All right, this is Pat Brophy. I'm the uh, current ASPN president. Yeah, this is Pat Brophy. I'm the current ASPN president. And very happy to be here in Baltimore. Hello, this is Gina Marie Barletta. I'm a pediatric nephrologist from Phoenix. I'm the program chair for this year's meeting. Kim Reedy, uh, I'm uh, from Montefiore in the Bronx, and I was a moderator for uh, a terrific podocyte session today. My, my name is Jeffrey Kopp. I'm an investigator at uh, NIDK NIH, and I was um, um, a participant in an excellent uh, session on the podocyte. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can each of you tell us a little bit about your session? So uh, I'll start off. Uh, so as the president of the ASPN, uh, today was a, a pretty remarkable day to start out with. We had uh, what I call a trifecta in terms of awards. So Dr. Bruder Stapleton, uh, the long-serving pediatric chair at Seattle Children's, stepped down in the past year. Uh, he was there for 22 years and, and seven years as the chair at Buffalo before that. He received the um, Joe St. Jim Jr. Leadership Award, uh, and that is uh, probably one of the most prestigious awards we have in pediatrics, and he gave a brilliant lecture after that, talking about how we can support one another and really um, try to drive burnout away. We also uh, were lucky enough to have um, Dr. Um, Joseph Flynn received the Henry Barnett Award uh, for his um, exceptional service to pediatrics and nephrology on top of that. And then Brad Wardy uh, received the Founders Award, uh, which reflects his amazing contribution to pediatric nephrology on both a clinical and scientific, as well as just leadership and mentorship level. So it's been a, a pretty amazing day all across the board. This morning, uh, we started with the um, Russell Chesney Memorial Lecture, which is the second year that it's been in existence. And um, it was a, a great way to start the meeting off. And the program committee, uh, led by Dr. Barletta and her team, have done an amazing job this year putting together a great scientific symposia uh, and great workshops. And so, uh, you know, one of the important parts of this is networking as well. And through this program committee, and being able to meet um, you know, your collaborators face-to-face -face is a pretty amazing thing. Thank you so much for that um, great overview of uh, today's events. Um, next, um, Gina Marie, can you tell us a little bit about your session today? Sure. Um, first, I just wanted to start with an overall about this um, programming process. I had an excellent committee that really helped take care of the business end and the, the 
the underlying structure of the sessions. Um, we really came up with an excellent program. Um, I'm indebted to them. They made my job easier because everybody um, did everything that they could to keep all the sessions running and um, planning and going over things with all the speakers and moderators. So it really, the, the behind the scenes for this is a tremendous amount of work and I had an excellent team. Um, we tried to do a nice mix of both clinical and basic science sessions um, so that we, we kept the uh, atmosphere balanced. We also had a nice representation so far and, and continuing throughout the meeting of junior and senior, fa senior faculty representation during the sessions. Um, and then we've tackled some topics that haven't been presented during these meetings in the past and, and one of them in particular was the Podocyte session today which was excellent. Um, and, and you'll hear more about that. As far as the sessions that I was, uh, I was able to chair this morning, um, we had the Russell Chesney session on calcium and it went very well. I had people come up after um, saying that, you know, I was a little worried about the session because it was uh, on calcium and vitamin D and I never really, you know, I, I know how to manage it, but I never really got into the mechanics of it. And it was really well presented that I understood it and I actually learned a lot and I'm surprised that I thought maybe I knew about some things, but they really were, it was a really revealing session and helped them um, understand things better. So that was the purpose of it, and I think it really went well. Um, one part of that that I thought was interesting was uh, also bringing in other specialties. So this is, is part of the PAS and, and, and why we have these meetings, is to bring the other specialists in, into our area or, or do collaborative work. Um, and one of them is endocrinology. So the last speaker during that session went over um, bone metabolism in patients that have diabetes. So it was something that I didn't, I wasn't aware of, and I didn't realize that they had this this part of their research that was really overlapping with ours. So it was really uh, important for for us to to do those collaborative sessions. The one other thing that I, I also want to mention, and Pat um, talked about Dr. Stapleton and his acceptance speech. It was amazing. Um, I, I I didn't know him on that level, and it was just so nice to. To, to hear about this, uh, his, this, uh, this ideology, Ubuntu. Um, so it was just, um, it, it was very nice, and I, I think um, it was a perfect way to start out our meeting, so. Great, thank you, Gina Marie. It really was a wonderful session today. Next, uh, we have Jeff, um, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about your session? Today you spoke about ApoL1 during the podocyte, um, the podocyte session. Yes, so my name is Jeffrey Koch from uh, NIDDK NIH, and this is my first PAS meeting, I believe. Uh, and um, I thought the quality of the science was uh, remarkable. The, the session I was in, uh, excellent talks, and a good, vigorous probing discussion, uh, question session uh, as we went along. So I presented on uh, studies of apolipoprotein or L1 or ApoL1 nephropathy, um, which uh, as many people will know, uh, is driven by genetic variants that are unique to uh, people of African descent. In this country, we estimate that 13% of African Americans or 5 million people have two ApoL1 risk alleles and thus are prone to get kidney disease on a genetic basis. Although our best guess is only about 20% uh, but still over a million people will develop ApoL1 nephropathy in the course of their life. And among the many questions on the table are what are the mechanisms of, uh, of uh, ApoL1 nephropathy uh, so that we could devise more effective therapies. 
and um, uh, would it be appropriate to start screening? Uh, probably not at the present time, as we don't know uh, how to institute more effective therapy, but that's something that could come in the future. And in terms of mechanism, we actually have an abundance of mechanisms uh, that have been established in cell culture models or animal models, or in some cases in, um, uh, in, uh, in um, uh, human disease. And it briefly, just to run these through, they involve a role in APOR1 in promoting uh, cation channel activity, uh, causing an efflux of potassium and an influx of sodium, potentially stressing cells. Uh, altered endolysosomal trafficking, such as at APOR1, uh, compromise, uh, lysoso compromises lysosomal functioning. A third would be APOR1 altering mitochondrial function and causing an energy deficit. A fourth would be activation of uh, protein kinase R, uh, which um, leads to a shutdown in protein synthesis that obviously would be deleterious to a cell. And the last one is activation of uh, particular cytokines, uh, including CXCL9 and 11. Now our data for these various studies vary from some clinical data, for example, from the Neptune study on cytokines, uh, to purely um, uh, in cell culture and, uh, and animal models. So we're a long way from having targeted therapy for this fairly common uh, genetic disease, uh, but I do see a uh, time coming when uh, uh, we will be um, uh, testing individuals and um, uh, offering therapy. I will say as a, as a Side note is that there was a recent conference on APOL1 that uh, was sponsored by NIDDK that uh, took an innovative tack and invited patients, uh, leaders in the African-American community, and physicians, scientists, about the way forward in this process. And there's a paper that will come out on this, but it was striking that the individuals who represented the patient community wanted to be tested and know more about this disease, uh, these variants at this time whereas the scientific community was, uh, took a more, view, more of a view that it's premature and that this is something that we will be proceeding with as, um, as their targeted therapies are developed. But I bring this up because I think it's an interesting area for people to be thinking, what is the right time to be um, offering genetic testing and what are the roles in that in our society? So I think with that, I'll close. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, that was a great summary. It was a very educational talk, and um, I think we're all looking forward to what the future holds for research in APOL1. Next, uh, we have Kim Reedy. Um, she's going to tell us a little bit about the uh, clinical abstract session. Um, so just first, uh, to kind of follow up on Dr. Kopp's talk, in addition to his great um, uh, discussion of APOL1, there was also uh, a very nice clinical review by Dr. Bitson, um, where he highlighted uh, the implications for APOL1 in transplant. And there's an ongoing Apollo study that's going to be looking at whether we should be genotyping uh, both deceased and living donors um, uh, prior to uh, transplant. Um, in addition, in that se uh, session, there was Dr. Siever, who gave a great talk highlighting this potential new opportunity to develop therapeutics for FSGS that will target structural targets like focal adhesion kinase, kinase uh, uh, focal, the focal adhesions. Um, and then uh, uh, Dr. Gabriel Carafuentes gave a, a, another talk on, where he focused on potential new biomarkers um, 
uh, in the field and uh, the role of autophagy in FSGS. So overall, it was a terrific session. Um, in a, the overall day was great. I also really liked the calcium session. It was uh, great. And um, the clinical abstract session had some really exciting um, new findings. So for example, there was a, a, a great talk about um, food insecurity and how it affects uh, dialysis patients. Um, and they demonstrated that by providing food uh, in a food pantry to p children on dialysis, they actually decreased infections. Um, and that food insecurity was associated with increased risk for, for healthcare utilization. So I thought that was a really important talk that has implications not only in our clinical practice, but in our advocacy efforts, um, and is will be a great source for future resource, research. Um, the other, um, there were a couple other very interesting talks. There was a talk about um, outcomes of very low birth weight uh, infants, and a very high percentage of them, uh, at, a percentage of them at two years, 20% had hypertension, 30% had um, albuminuria, um, so this, again, is another area in our field where we need to do more research. And the, the last thing I would highlight is there was an interesting talk about neonates on ECMO, where they compared those that had conge congenital heart sur surgeries versus those that had congenital diaphragmatic hernia surgeries, and it looked like the kids that had cardiac surgeries were more likely to get earlier CRRT on ECMO versus the ones with congenital diaphragmatic hernias, and they ended up having greater fluid, the kids with the hernias developed greater fluid overload, and then we're also less likely to get renal replacement therapy. So that was really interesting for me in terms of our practice. It was a great day. Thanks so much, Kim. Um, I agree, it was a really great day. And with that, um, we'll end the first day of the annual ASPN meeting. Um, we learned a lot today, and um, we, uh, saw a lot of novel research as well. Um, and please stay tuned for tomorrow's podcast uh, where we review highlights of day two.